0: Good morning, and we bid welcome to State Senator Jean Lysing. Good morning to you, Senator. Good
1: morning, Tom.
0: You know, it's uh, good to have you, and especially at this time, as uh, in the uh, as we get ready for the 2022 legislative session. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing in the run up to the session?
1: Well, you know, this is just for those that don't follow the legislature and maybe quite as closely. This is what we call a short session year. It's not a budget year. And the session will start January the 4th and can run up until March 14th. Uh, That date ultimately gets determined later. Uh, But what I have been doing for the last couple of weeks is actually uh, going over bill drafts with our staff attorneys uh, bills that I'm actually going to file and sponsor, and uh, those bills all have to be filed. Uh, there's a process, and uh, they're given a number, and then they're assigned to a committee. And uh, anyway, so I'm hoping that today I'll be filing my last two. In a short session year, the Senate has a 10 bill limits per senator. So anyway, so that's kind of where where it's been so it's uh you know we're almost ready to hit the ground starting next week january 4th
0: and as far as the uh, committees that you serve on uh, can you uh, give us a rundown of those and, along with the uh, not only committees right. but also subcommittees
1: yeah i actually uh, chair the state and agricultural committee i'm ranking member of the natural resources committee and then i serve on the health committee the education committee the utilities committee and the commerce committee I actually have probably as many committee assignments as any well, senator probably does six in total and which means that if you call into the Senate actually when we're in session generally I am either in a committee meeting or in the afternoon on the Senate floor
0: so how did you <laughs> end up with uh, so many committee assignments
1: well, you know, I probably, partly because I, I request some of those. I, You know, I was an old nurse by profession, so I obviously has a, have an interest in health. Uh, but, you know, it makes sense for me to be chair of the Agriculture Committee, having a farm. Very few people in the legislature have any relationship to a farm, period. And then the Natural Resources Committee kind of comes right along with that one. If you're on, if you're on Ag, you're also on Natural Resources. But uh, I was uh, have always had an interest in education. Uh, it seems like um, no matter what we do, we always find that there are a lot of questions still posed by parents and constituents about what we're doing right or not doing right in the way of education. So that's, a, that's a, a very interesting committee. And then needless to say right now, the utilities committee, uh, there's a lot of change going on in utilities. And I keep saying every time I'm in a utilities meeting, what we have to make sure is that we, with any change that we don't jeopardize dependability and reliability of our electric uh, system.
0: And as far as the uh, actual uh, process of uh, the bills, uh, can you kind of walk us uh, through uh, what happens when a bill uh, is in the Senate and then, uh, you know, moves on from there?
1: Sure, absolutely. Actually, most people don't realize there are a lot of steps and it's really not a simple process. And that's actually probably a good thing. Or we would have so many laws on the books that we wouldn't know how to breathe, right? But in Indiana, unlike in Washington, we actually use the committee structure, which is where every one of your listeners, if there is a particular issue that they're following, they can come and testify in those committee meetings, either for or against a bill. And so uh, starting next week, I expect that uh, there could be possibly the first um, – committee meetings but more likely those will start the week of of uh, january 10th and what happens is those are typically uh three-hour meetings and uh, the chairman of the committee uh, actually decides which of the bills that the pro tem of the senate has assigned to his committee or her committee that she's going to hear the committee chairman if they feel like there are too many bills and I can almost tell you that in health and education, there will be so many bills that the chairman will have a tough choice as to which bills he's going to give a hearing. When he gives it a hearing, the majority of the, after taking testimony from anyone interested in the issue, for or against, then there'll be a vote of the committee, and it just takes a majority vote of the committee present uh, to um, pass or, or not pass the bill. The bill then goes to the Senate floor where any one of the 50 senators can file an amendment on that bill that's passed a committee. Now, you know, you'd say, oh, okay, well, that's pretty good. Well, it depends. If you're the author of the bill, you might think some of the amendments aren't friendly, right? So you might say, oh, geez, they're trying to hurt my bill. But, you know, it just depends on how controversial the issue is. And so then those amendments have to get voted on, yes or no. It takes just a majority of the vote to pass an amendment. And that's called the second reading process. And then a day or two later, the bill as amended comes back to the Senate floor for a final vote in the Senate. And that's always a recorded vote on our electronic voting machine. And it of course takes 26 or more votes out of the 50 to pass the um, bill. After the bill passes the Senate, it then goes to the House for the same process so that Senate bill that started in the Senate it has to go through the committee's second reading and third reading. If there's not been significant change in that House after a bill starts in the Senate, then the bill goes directly to the governor, and the governor has three choices. He can either let the bill, beca- assign the bill into law, he can let it become law without his, his signature, if in fact he has a concern about, you know, something in the bill, <laughs> or he can veto the bill. Now, if he vetoes the bill, then uh, the Senate and the House can go back for one more vote and try to override the veto. It only, in Indiana, it takes a simple majority to override a veto. So last year, Governor Holcomb actually vetoed three bills, and we overrode two of the three bills before we left the Senate session. Uh, in the 21 session. So it's it's an interesting process. A bill can either start in the House or the Senate, either way. And the one thing that I should mention, a lot of bills die at the very end of the process because if a bill substantially was changed in the second House, you know, then uh, it's assigned to a conference committee, and the conference committee is made up of four legislators two senators, two House members, and one from each party, you know, so those four legislators then have to duke out the differences, and sometimes they can't resolve the differences, and that bill, after all that while, dies. So so it is an interesting process, but I would tell the, your listeners to, to pay attention, especially to bills that, that they have, uh, that they're really concerned about, and To be honest, um, you know, they should contact their senator and their representative on those bills because people say, oh, somebody else is going to let, you know, the senator know or the representative know. But the truth is, I always say if I get five contacts on a particular bill that's pending before the legislature, that means that there's a whole bunch of folks that are concerned one way or the other for that issue. So, you know, don't hesitate to contact.
0: The all right and with that we're going to go ahead and take a quick time out and we'll be back with more as we continue our conversation with senator gene Lysing right after this don't adjust
1: your radio the sound that you hear is your stomach you're having trouble focusing you can't recall your last meal you're trapped in the hunger zone the solution batesville to go
0: Let To Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com
1: or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville To Go, big city convenience, small town taste.
0: And welcome back to The Daily Pod. As we continue our visit with Senator Gene Lysing as we get ready to enter the, uh, Legislative session. That'll be coming up next week. And, uh, Senator, as far as uh, where you sit, uh, what do you see as the uh, top issues this year that uh, you expect to be considered in the legislature?
1: Well, I think that overall, um, the one uh, legislation that has been getting a lot of uh, maybe attention in the media, especially, has to do with the governor's continuous executive orders. And, uh, you know, it's it's mixed thoughts on that issue, uh, but I would tell you that um, the one reason the governor has done continuous executive orders is that there's some federal dollars connected to it, and so we have to make sure if uh, we try to suspend the governor's uh, authority to continue with executive orders, that we pass in legislation language that covers uh Indiana so it continues to receive those federal dollars. One of the big areas has to do with Medicaid. And Medicaid is the health insurance for uh we used to think of it as for the poor, but you know, two thirds of the Medicaid insurance actually the dollars goes toward our super seniors that are in our long term care facilities and maybe they've exhausted their own personal savings. So um that there's extra federal money because more people qualified for Medicaid because of the pandemic. So we've gotta make sure that there's language that covers uh, Medicaid. Then there was also some federal dollars to uh, help those people who receive SNAP benefits, what we used to always call food stamps. And um, that, those benefits are gonna continue at the federal level, I believe, until March. And so uh, we think that gets people through the holidays and hopefully kids back in school. Some of our uh, less fortunate folks probably really do benefit from the SNAP benefits. And then the other third part, it has to do with immunization clinics and the fact that Dr. Box has the authority to set up those various immunization locations where normally uh, we wouldn't have that authority so I think that um, that we will address those three issues but then there are also people that want to change or try to change uh, any vaccine requirements um, and you know part of that is going to get caught up in the fact that the federal government has you know had a couple different mandates and now those are tied up in the courts so, A lot's going to be determined probably what happens in the Supreme Court in early January in regard to those. Uh, Specifically for me, Tom, I have uh, some education issues that that I have filed bills on already. One is my notorious cursive writing bill, which people (laughs) either love or hate. But the truth is that many of our kids no longer can sign their names so they have a difficulty when they go to get their driver's license or their passport and that kind of thing. In addition, we now have interns at the state house that some of them can't read cursive writing because they haven't been taught to write in cursive, and we have a lot of old legislators that still write notes, et cetera, in cursive. So it's become a problem in the workplace for many people. That bill I've had passed the Senate multiple times, but it always dies in the House because the House Education Chairman doesn't like that bill. Another education issue uh, that I have has to do with the FAFSA. Uh, FAFSA is the um, document it's on the internet now for people to complete if they have a student that's going to be going to college and it allows that family in many times to qualify not just for perhaps a grant those A lot of those are based on income, but it also allows that student to qualify for various scholarships, and a lot of folks don't realize that that's available. Indiana has a very low completion rate of the FAFSA, that's FAFSA, and I really encourage your listeners, even if they think that their income level won't allow them to qualify for any higher ed funding, they need to complete it because their student, if they're a good student, could easily qualify for some other scholarship uh, from a foundation, from a college. And, you know, people think it's only for four-year college, but it's also for kids that want to participate in the Workforce Ready Grant, which is more vocationally centered. So um, those are two uh, education bills. I have one, another education bill that's probably going to get some attention. Uh, And that has to do with requiring our school boards to have public meetings, open meetings, uh, unless there is really an emergency, um, because some of the school corporations in the state have not done so. Now, I don't think that's been a problem here, but it has been in some other parts of the state. And then also to make sure that if a parent attends, that they have a period for at least uh, limited public comment, because uh, some people feel that they have been shut out of participating in uh, what's going on in their schools. So I think that we'll see, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Uh, I also have a health bill that is very interesting that, that we really don't know the exact numbers, county by county, of suicide and drug overdose numbers. Uh, and like the ages impacted and the uh, exact causes of death. And I would like to see a summary put together by the Department of Health annually that would give legislators that information. I feel like because of our Constitution, we have a responsibility to care for the mentally ill. And I'm not sure that in all of my rural counties that we're doing an adequate job of that. And I can tell you that in one of my seven counties, that I represent in one month, there were five suicides. Uh, And when I asked specifically in that regard, when I was contacted, if they could tell me uh, the age range, and they said, oh yes, Senator, from age 20 to age 80. And so uh, we really, you know, we talk about this stuff, but in order to fix it, in order to address the problem, we're gonna have to have the data. And so I'm hoping that that bill will move. there's always ag issues. Uh, one uh, that I will be carrying for the Board of Animal Health will change their animal, um, their structure in regard to their board uh, so that they can be more adequately prepared if we would be hit by any kind of severe animal disease. For instance, like African swine fever and hogs that is in other parts of the world, but fortunately not yet here. Uh, Purdue has a seed certification bill that they want me to uh, carry, and I'm filing it. Uh, And probably the last one that I'll even mention that I'm personally involved in is a utilities bill. Uh, I have found serving on the Utilities Committee, renewables is a big issue. And everybody seems to think that they want renewables, uh, and it sounds good. Except then you realize that we don't have long-term battery storage to either save solar when the sun shines or wind energy when the wind blows. And as a result, uh, we actually um, just aren't prepared to to count on the dependability and reliability for uh, renewables at this time. The average battery, I think, will only last about four hours. So there's a lot of work that has to be done yet in that area. So my bill says, let's find out how many existing acres of solar fields we have in Indiana uh, and then how much energy those existing solar fields would produce and then also uh, how um, many acres or wind turbines we have uh, because I'm concerned about the agricultural farmland that's being uh, gobbled up by particularly solar fields. Uh, the to give you an idea, one coal-fired plant in southern Indiana that's going to be prematurely closed in about another year from now. It would take approximately twenty-four thousand acres of farmland. About twenty-four thousand acres of farmland to um, replace energy produced by that one coal-fired plant. And so I think we have to really look at the big picture when we are looking at um, the whole issue of advancing renewables.
0: All right. So a lot on the uh, on the table looks like uh, this session. Uh, anything else uh, before we uh, let you get back to uh, prepping for the session?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I would say there will be many other issues that that – other legislators will be filing bills on. Um, I know that there's going to be something dealing with the issue of uh, potential critical race theory being taught in schools. I don't have a bill specifically on that. Uh, there's going to be uh, a bill probably also trying to look at social emotional learning and whether that those kind of things are replacing actually uh, curriculum time. Um, and, you know, I, I, there are just the whole health issue, uh, the cost of health care. Uh, that I'm sure will be also, to, uh, you know, be a serious uh, look at it again. Uh, but, boy, I don't know how we fix that during a pandemic. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing that will probably, if COVID keeps rearing its head like it is, Uh, We have to be certain that we evaluate the learning loss that has gone on for many of our students in Indiana, not so much in our area here, but boy, you know, when I hear numbers, percentages of kids that have only passed uh, their standardized test because of too much virtual learning and maybe not enough assistance at home. There's a lot of serious issues going on. And I know we hear about some of that in the national news, but we don't want to think it's happening in Indiana, but it has happened in Indiana also. And I hate to think of our kids losing so much important education as they prepare for higher education and for a, work, a career of, somewhat, of some sort in the workforce.
0: All right, so we'll definitely uh, keep our eyes on uh, what's going on in, uh, at the State House starting next week. Uh, Senator Gene Lysing, thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you, Tom Snape. I appreciate your trying to keep our uh, local area folks informed about what's going on at the legislature because it really is important for each of us as senators and representatives to have their input. We do really listen, even though sometimes It probably doesn't sound like it because there's always two sides to the issue. And, you know, sometimes we have issues where we have 50% of our contacts for it and 50% against. So, But I appreciate your your thoughts on all these important things. So thank you very much.
0: I'm Tom Snape for The Daily Pod.